0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today, June 2nd, 2022. Lesson 21, Forgiveness and Beyond, in our series Chronicles of the Kingdom. Yes, today we're talking about forgiveness and beyond. Last week, we looked at repentance. Today, we will be looking at forgiveness and even moving on in forgiveness. As we begin, I want us to understand that, you know, our source of forgiveness is in Jesus Christ and that forgiveness is a choice. It's an act of our will. And we have to choose that over our feelings. In Matthew 18, 21 through 35, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts, With his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, "'Pay me what you owe.' So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, "'Have patience with me, I will pay you all.' And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and came and told the master all that had been done.' And the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And then his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart who does not forgive his brother's trespasses." It's a heavy, heavy scripture to look at. You know that the word torturers there in the Greek means jailers who inflict pain. And what we need to understand is that when we choose not to forgive, we give the enemy a legal right to hold us in painful bondage now in this life. See, we we think of that thing of that story that you know, Hey, the master forgave this guy, and and uh, but he didn't really forgive the guys that owed him. Um, he hadn't really in his heart repented. He was sorry he was caught. He was sorry that he and his wife and children were going to jail, but he really wasn't repenting for the debt. And therefore, when he was forgiven, he didn't really receive forgiveness. He just got his got out of jail card, so to speak. And when his servant begged him, there was no forgiveness there in his heart because he knew he wasn't really sorry about it. So, therefore, he knew this servant wasn't really sorry about it. And so he refused to forgive. And, of course, his master came back, saw what was going on, and he had him thrown into jail and tortured. And so that's what we need to understand is that those jailers is, the, is the, ultimately the enemy. And we have to face the enemy when we choose not to forgive. Think about it. If that servant would have forgiven the other servants, the same way he had been forgiven, he wouldn't have faced that. But he made a choice, and that choice brought immediate consequences. And that gives it the idea that, you know, just because you don't feel like forgiving someone doesn't mean you shouldn't. God wants us to love people as He has loved us. Hebrews 10:30 through 31 says, For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people, and a, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So much of forgiveness is understanding that God is the judge, not you and I. And so when we refuse to forgive, we want to pass judgment. We want to be the ones to hand out the verdict. We want to be the one to issue consequences. But ultimately, God is the one who holds judgment and those consequences, not us. God is the one who judges, not us. Vengeance for hurtful things lies in the hands of the Lord, not in our hands. So the choice is ours when it comes to forgiveness. Are we going to forgive or are we not going to forgive? You know, Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Let's look at Luke chapter 7, verses 39 through 50 reading from an NIV it says when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this and this is referring to the woman which came in and used her alabaster jar and cleaned Jesus' feet let me give you some context to that. So this is where we're picking up. Uh, this woman has cleaned Jesus's feet uh, she's a sinner and it says when the Pharisee who invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him five hundred denarii, another fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned around to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pull on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been, been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. We use this portion of scriptures many times in our discipleship tracks and talking about forgiveness, but also talking about salvation. See, Jesus says, he says, those who have been forgiven love much and those who have been forgiven Little, love, little. And you say forgiveness and love are tied together. If you've been forgiven a lot, you should love a lot. If you've been forgiven little, you love little. But I, I want to emphasize something here about there's a receiving. If you've received much forgiveness, you love much. If you receive little forgiveness, then you forgive little. See, there's something about that. You have to receive. Jesus says your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith is what she believed. She received forgiveness from the Lord. See, this Pharisee did not really receive forgiveness. Now, was Jesus offering forgiveness to the Pharisee? Well, obvious. He was obviously being offered forgiveness. But you see, in the Pharisee's mind, he was a clean, non-sinful person. He didn't receive much forgiveness because he didn't believe that he needed forgiveness that much, because he was a good person. He he believed that. And so, in a sense, he was the one with the small debt. He just needed a little forgiveness from the Lord because he was such a person. Like the first story from Scripture that we read, there was a servant. He was forgiven a massive debt, yet he didn't love at all. Why? Well, because he didn't really receive... Forgiveness, because he didn't really repent. He didn't believe he'd done something wrong. He'd just gotten caught. He wasn't sorry, therefore he was unable. He hadn't really received anything. And we have that choice that to receive from the Lord that brings change in our heart. And see, this is titled Forgiveness and Beyond because we need to go beyond just forgiveness. I know that sounds crazy. Why am I talking about beyond forgiveness? We've last lesson we talked a lot about repentance. What is repentance? Coming to repentance. And it's from a heart of repentance that we can receive forgiveness. And receiving forgiveness, there's life that moves beyond the forgiveness. There's life that moves beyond forgiveness. And you see, this woman was forgiven. What happens when she got up from the feet of Jesus? And walked out the door. There was something beyond that. When Jesus healed the paralytic. They came down and he said your sins are forgiven. And, and everyone threw a fit about that. Like, How can you forgive sins? And then Jesus said well, what's it easier to do? Forgive his sins or tell him to get up and walk. And then he goes what? He says to show you I have power to forgive sins. He told the man get up and walk. And he got up and walked. See to Jesus walking. Miraculous healings is less than forgiveness. But that's where Jesus begins with us, is with repentance and forgiveness. And he wants to bring healing and wholeness to our lives. See, let's look at the the healing that we need. Psalm 25, 17 through 19 It reads, "says the troubles of my heart have enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distress. Look upon my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred." See, the psalmist is writing. He says, "What my heart, the troubles of my heart have enlarged." You know, a, a sign of heart disease is when your heart enlarges. Yeah, it's a sign of heart failure. It's it's not a good thing. There are troubles in our life that just enlarge our heart. You feel like your 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 the the trouble, the pain that's coming upon you is enlarging your heart to the point where you're going to die. I'm going to die. And the psalmist saying, "Bring me out of my distress. Look upon my affliction and pain." They're suffering. Their heart is blowing up under the the pain that's come. But then notice he says that his affliction and pain, and forgive all my sins. See our sins. Is what caused troubles to come upon our heart. It's, it's sin. Whether we do it or someone's done it to us, sin has come upon our lives and is crushing us. He goes on and says, Consider my enemies. Your enemies, they hate me with cruel hatred. Many times when it comes to forgiveness, you feel like there's this hatred that comes from others and it's and it's and it's wounding you. And you don't you don't want to let think you don't want to let it go. You will you want revenge. But you don't understand that holding on to that is what's enlarging your heart, the troubles. Psalm one forty seven, verses two and three. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And we've been talking many times about figurative language in this series, Kingdom of Heaven. There's, chronicles of the kingdom, there's so much about the kingdom of God that's in figurative language. So when the Lord here is saying he builds up Jerusalem, he's building up a city. We are the city in Jerusalem. Again, I'm talking in a figurative sense. And the Lord builds his people. He gathers outcasts, people being cast out. Believe it or not, we're outcast. All of us are outcast. The new series, Stranger Things 4, is out. Season four and people talking about it. But you know, the the main characters, those those kids, and that they are all outcast. They're not popular. They're outcast. Um, and they've and and this series is pointing out what the brokenness internal inside many of these kids. Um, not a, it's not a godly show, but it's what it's depicting a universal problem with people that Everyone, we all feel like we're outcasts. We're all broken. But you know, we've been reading repeatedly. Uh, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus stood up, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to heal our hearts. He says he's come to preach deliverance of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord to preach deliverance. He wants to set us free to heal us. Recover your sight to the body. You're not blind. We are so blind to the truth of what God is offering. And like I said at liberty, those who are oppressed, those of us that feel like we're enslaved, He wants to set us free free from sin, free from bondages, free from the captivity of this world. It is the acceptable. You know, the Lord, He has accepted us. He's offered us forgiveness. You know, there's an old saying. There's a lot of sayings people use, uh, like, you know, God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. That's not biblical. God wants us to depend on Him, not be independent. He wants us dependent on Him. There's another old saying that says, time heals all wounds. This is a lie. Time doesn't heal wounds. And anything, it causes them to degrade, become a sore spot. You know, if you had a brand new car, and I'm not a, an overly big car person. I do, I do have things I like and don't like, but there's a lot of guys, and I know there's a lot of uh, uh, girls. You like cars, so go ahead, think of your, your, your dream car, your sports car, your whatever, Corvette, Lamborghini, whatever it may be. Think of your dream car. And then suddenly... You know, I show up with a big sledgehammer, and I just pop it a good one. I put a big old dent in the hood or something, and it's ugly, and it's sitting there. Me telling you, oh, don't worry about it. In time, it'll be healed, and it'll be okay. Just just give it some time, and that dent will go away. Well, that's a lie. That dent ain't ever gone anywhere. Matter of fact, if I hit it good enough, and I chip some paint on it, uh, that area with the chip is going to start rusting, over time, it's going to get worse, and the more it rust, the more paint will come off, and it just it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, you know, there are, there are wounds to our hearts that time will never heal. There are people who have lost children and loved ones, and you know what? No amount of time ever heals those wounds. There are traumas and things that happen to people. Time will never heal your wounds. At best, you'll just get a big, fat scab. That will grow over that wound. And it will become hard. And you become hard. And you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to hear about it. And when someone brings up that that wound in your life. It's like picking a scab off. It's something you get angry. You lash out. Because why? It's a wound. It's a wound that's never healed. You will always walk with a limp in that wound. But Jesus has come to what? Heal the brokenhearted, He's come to heal your your wounds, it says He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus is come to what? Bring healing and restoration to our lives. You know, if if Satan is the man with the sledgehammer hitting those wounds, then Jesus is like the body mechanic that can pull the dent out and restore it to normal. He is the one. And so what we need to understand is that we got to deal with our wounds. If our car got dented, we have to do something with it. We can't just ignore it if we want it to be fixed. And the same with our lives. Our lives are much more complicated than a car. We have to deal with these wounds. We have to take it to the will, to the man who can heal the wounds. And Jesus is our healer. And so when we look at ourselves, how do, how do we know we have wounds? Well, you know what? when you, you know you have a wound, you know you have a broken heart, when you have a poor self-image, when you have low self-esteem, when you have laugh, lack of confidence, when you have a lack of motivation, when you have unreasonable fears that can cripple you. When you avoid relationships, or life's situations. We want to call that procrastinate. Oh, I just procrastinate a lot. No, you're avoiding a situation. Why are you avoiding the situation? Fear. And then that fear is coming from what? A broken heart. We have a wound in our heart. And it causes us to miss things in life. It causes us to miss things that God desires for us. It causes us to miss destiny. It causes us to... It, it's It's... A sin, an effective, a a wound of sin, and it's destroying us. And we need to receive healing, the healing that comes through Christ. You know, I can just, I'm just sitting here overwhelmed by the stories and, and memories and things I can think of that revolve around this very thing. You know, many times. We may think we're reacting to some circumstance, but what we're actually reacting to is some attitude that's been created by this wound in our heart, this past hurting memory. How many of you have hurt memories when you just think of something from the past, you just, you feel the embarrassment, you feel the pain, you feel that, listen, healing is not some automatic process. You know, oh, I came to Jesus and I should be automatically healed, correct? No, sometimes, just like physical healing, it takes some time. There's sometimes times that receiving healing from Jesus takes time. Why is that? Well, because we have to present those wounds to Jesus. He has to heal those hearts. And the only way that it happens is we have to receive from Jesus his unconditional love. And as we've been talking about this series, sometimes it's hard to receive what God is offering. We want to, we shake our heads, but then in some type of rebellion, we don't. But we need to receive his unconditional love. We need to accept, and receive his acceptance and mercy and grace and his forgiveness. You see, many times we try to blame people in the church or some pastor and, you know, I trusted them and they did me wrong and and we get all upset and everything. But what we need to understand is that, you know, only healed people can heal people. Hurting people will always hurt people. For those of us in ministry, we need to be sure that we're walking with the Lord and we're having him heal our wounds because if we don't, we just hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And that's why I find it funny that people use so much secular counseling and secular resolve to deal with inner hurts because they're going to wounded people, it's the blind leading the blind, attempting to find this healing that can only come through Christ. And that means that they need to to see someone who actually has had Jesus heal them in this area to better understand How can I receive this? How can I reach out? If if you haven't been forgiven of your sins by Jesus, it's awfully hard to convey what that means. I know know God can use a donkey to speak to people. I refer to the story in the Bible. God can use all kinds of things besides a saved individual to reach people, but His primary method is You know, God can always interrupt and do whatever he wants to do. But his chosen method in reaching the world is through the mouths of people who believe. As we have received from him, we are to freely give that to others. As a point of healing, you know, and by the way, I want to keep this simple. You only have to ask in prayer, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That's how to be saved. Believe in your heart, confess it in your mouth. That's what we need to do with healing. We need to what? I need to believe in my heart and speak it forth in my mouth. I'm not trying to do a name it, claim it thing. But again, if you can be saved, what's, what's more difficult? To be saved from hell or to have some emotional healing happen to you? You know, and well, if you're saved from hell by believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead, you believe that in your heart, you confess it in your mouth, and you are saved, then you know what? It's it's no it's it's a lesser thing to believe in your heart that the healer can bring wholeness to your life, and you need to confess that in your life, not like in a blind, but you're constantly. Jesus is going to heal me. He is the healer. I I, I confess that he is Lord of the situation. I may not feel this way, but I'm going to do it. You know, we talked about forgiving people. In those early scriptures, is not a process to do I feel like forgiving. Them. No, we're told to do it. If you received it, do it. Well, in some ways, there's some process to, to giving and receiving. You know, James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And we know some people, they want to take that out of context. We want to make that all about, well, you've got to confess. And, oh, let's get into Catholicism. You've got to confess to your priestly, some priest called a father to to, to That's not the point. The point about what? Confessing to each other is supposed to be what? Believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth. Sometimes if you're going to confess with your mouth, you need someone to hear you. It's sometimes easy to confess all kinds of things when you're alone and it not be real. There are many people that were like, make all sorts of incredible claims to the Lord when they're alone, but when they stand before others, those claims disappear because they didn't really mean it. It's easy to make an empty promise when you don't mean it, but when you make it in front of witnesses, see, that's why when you get married, you're supposed to get married in front of witnesses. I mean, all the little messages, you know, we're before all these witnesses Is there anyone here who doesn't you doing it for witnesses why so that later on if you and two people decide they want to get married and they're alone in a room and they make a promise to each other and then 20 years later one says i never made that promise to you and 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 they tell it in front of everybody they're walking away and it's like well he said she said no one was there when you have witnesses they witness what you made an oath i will be here forever you know, even in business today, that's why we have written contracts. The contract is what? A witness, a witness that you're you're coming to this agreement. It's a legal witness. And many times, by the way, legal contracts will always have a third party signature. Sometimes you have to go get a notary republic, a, a notary, someone that's what? Authorized by the state to serve as a witness. That this is, in fact, you signing this document that you're going to be held to? That's sort of what this scripture is about. You confess your trespass. Confess those sins. Why are you confessing? Lord, I need forgiveness in my heart. And I, I want to witness that I'm just not blowing steam. And that I want to receive healing in my broken heart. There's something about that, that all these memories and things from the past, God wants to get down there and forgive those and bring healing. But you know, it takes an act of our will to bring that to the Lord and then receive, I have to receive, I have to believe that He is going to forgive me, that He's going to do that, that the God of the universe who died on the cross and rose from the dead is going to do what he said he's going to do. James 4 2, and we're back in that book of James, right before the 516, James 4.2, it says what? You have not because you ask not. We need to ask God, heal. Heal us, God, heal our broken hearts. God, these memories that, that haunt me. We need to ask God to what? Bring healing to those areas. And then we meditate. On the word of God, you know what we gotta meditate. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going to think on it. I'm going to. I'm going to put the word of God in my heart. And that's the awesome thing about the Lord is that He brings that healing. He brings peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit into our heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you want us to just move on beyond some one-time salvation point, God. It's not a prayer that we just simply pray and then move on with life, God. Lord, you want us to understand repentance, but you want us to move beyond that, Lord. You want us to understand forgiveness, but move beyond that, Lord. You want us to move into receiving the healing that is the result of our forgiveness, God. You want us to receive the restoration that comes because of repentance, God. You want us to move beyond those things because you died on a cross. You want us to move beyond that to a point of life in you. Father, I pray that those listening, God, that have points where they're haunted, that, Lord, that they were right now just open up to you, God, and that they would receive by faith, the healing that you can provide. You are the one who heals broken hearts and you are the one that wants us to move into a kingdom lifestyle, God, in wholeness and in freedom with you. Lord, I thank you that you love us and you've come, you've died for our sins, you've risen to bring us life and life abundantly. and We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I hope that this message has encouraged you. You can check out our entire series and back lessons. Each lesson is building upon one another. So if I say something you don't understand, maybe go back and catch an earlier lesson where we taught specifically on that. And you can find that. We have our podcast is on a broad spectrum of carriers, but you can always see all of those as well as the podcast itself on our website at christianimpact.net. Again, we thank you. You can check out that. Check out our website. Check out uh, classes with our institute. Check us out on Facebook, Christian Impact Ministries. And until next time, God bless.